Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Three in the Key podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Shane, joined this week, and as always, with Brendan. Brendan, how's your week going, man? Ah, week's been going good. Uh, yeah, I can't believe it's only Tuesday, recording on uh, Tuesday night. It's too bad we couldn't get uh, John on the pod tonight, but, um, you know, looking forward to just talking all things basketball and, you know, just... Uh, Moving, moving right on. How, how are you doing? Doing good. You know, it's a, it's a Tuesday. Feels like a Thursday. So one of those weeks, but we're getting by and, you know, nothing better than talking basketball. Um, speaking of that, have you, you know, one of the main topics that people have been talking about this week, like, have you noticed like the less amount of fouls being called in the opening week of the season? I mean, it's tough not to notice. Uh, I mean, you're. I, mean, I think anyone that's been watching and probably anyone that's listening watches enough to to see that the the, the star players aren't getting those calls that they uh, are used to. I think the the person actually, you know, there's been a, a few players that uh, stand out, but um, one person that I was watching recently, uh, and it might have been because of, of fantasy uh, that I was watching this game, but um, Luca, who is very vocal. Was was jabbering and jabbering and jabbering all over the the refs, uh, and he's someone that you know I, I think it's affecting his game a little bit. He 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 isn't quite putting up the numbers that we're used to seeing from him, and um, and yeah, I, I just think it's frustrating him. I don't know. Does does anyone stand out to you, or or what are you thinking? I mean, there are so I'm gonna name three players, and you tell me. Which one is unlike the others? Damian Lillard, James Harden, R.J. Barrett. All <laughs> average 18.6 points per game. Wow. I think uh, – wow, was R.J. drafted higher than them? Or how, how... <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, uh, that, that's actually – that's crazy to think. I, I, I don't know. Do, what, are you trying to insinuate that it – that the, the the fouls are helping RJ or that they're hurting the other players? I think that they're hurting the other players. I think RJ is, you know, we're Knicks fans. RJ has looked good this year and, you know, he's only 21 years old and, and it's nice to see him constantly progress. Damian Lillard and James Harden are used to getting fouls and they're used to, I think Harden, the stat is, uh, his free throw attempts per game are down by half. So yeah, the James, the James Harden part is, I think, uh, like a really stark contrast with him. When I when I think about it, you know, I have seen a little bit of the Nets this this uh, year. It's strange. I'm like blacked out from seeing them living in Manhattan. Um, they like aren't on TV often unless it's national. Like I can't watch them on uh, on League Pass, but. He's someone that is a master at, you know, getting fouls, but also just at, at scoring. Um, so I think that he's going – I'm not worried about him at all. I think he's someone that's adapted to rules that um, in the past that no one even knew how to uh, expose. That, and so he, he's going to find a way to make this even – like somehow benefit him, I, I, if, if anyone could. Yeah, he'll definitely turn around. Also, Brooklyn should be blacked out in uh, Manhattan because they're the second team in New York, baby. Yeah, except the Knicks are also blacked out on League Pass. It's it's rough. 
Ooh, that's undoable. Bing bong. It's, it's, it's sad sometimes, but we, we don't have to go down that. Uh, Mike, so wait, who do you think in the league? Because we've named a few players right now. Who do you think in, in, in the league right now who's who's most dramatically affected by by the lack of calls? Uh, I I would say Harden. Um, you know, Trey Young has been able to. He's twenty second in scoring. Um, Harden and Lillard are thirty ninth. Uh, they're being outscored by the likes of Christian Wood, Valachunas, you know, Tobias Harris, just to name a few, um, where those guys are usually top five in scoring. So I think they've been hit. But, you know, there are some guys who have you seen benefit from this? Oh, man, I think, um, you know, any <laughs> any like good defenders. Uh, I was I was looking at uh, some stat. I don't have it pulled up right now, but in the defensive ratings for teams. Um, I think there's like 17 teams that would be ranked number one in defensive ratings. So uh, last year, so far this year, so they they 17 teams are above the first the number one defensive rating team last year. So um, I, I don't know. I, I'm hesitant to say that the like fans are benefiting um, because it, it's still, uh, I think like yet to be shown whether it's more entertaining or not. The, the scoring is, is down. Um, and there, there's something to be said about getting into a rhythm when you're uh, a star player, getting into getting into like fouls and, and you're getting the time at the line, bolster your numbers up. I think you feel good. Um, someone though, that is benefiting directly from this is our boy Draymond Green, who has gone on to say that he is, he, let's see, he is satisfied to watch the games without all these terrible calls, guys cheating the game and grabbing guys and getting a foul. I've been really enjoying watching basketball this year. He, he even went on to say, he couldn't watch basketball uh, in the past years because of all the flailing and flopping. Of all people talking about flailing and flopping, Draymond, uh, look in the mirror a little bit when you when you start calling that. But um, you know, he he's a defensive minded guy. I'm sure he likes being able to get away with some hand checks. Yeah, no, and he's going to be great sitting next to Charles Barkley in two years. So you know, he's got to <laughs> he's got to start getting the headlines when he can. Yeah, well, let's hope it's not in June because uh, that means. Yeah, um, but no, that's good. And like you know, as we said, we uh, just want to touch on that. But really, one of our main topics of this pod, actually, the main topic is we want to go into uh, cellar dwellers. So, what a cellar dweller is is essentially, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. And we kind of want to see where you go: Eastern Conference, Western Conference. Do they rebound from these tough starts? Now, mind you, we're only eight to nine games into the season, so it's a bit premature, but we like to have fun with it. So, uh, Brendan, do you want to uh, kick us off? Well, if we're looking at the conference here, we have uh, four teams that stand out as cellar dwellers that have two wins or, uh, or fewer. And uh, the Celtics are the top of that list um, right now, ranked uh, 13th in the East, uh, two and five. And, you know, I do want to start with them because that's, um, you know, it feels kind of nice that the Celtics are, uh, are, are not doing so great. But, you know, to throw my, my next aside, um, you know, it, it is concerning what's going on there. And I think 
you know, they had high hopes going into the season. Uh, they have a new coach. They had their studs, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Um, they were able to get uh, Al Horford back. They got uh, Dennis Schroeder on the, the cheap, cheap, cheap contract. I mean, what, only like $82 million uh, less than what he was going to get uh, from the Lakers. So I think what's most worrisome is um, the Marcus Smart quote that came out. And this, 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 I believe, yesterday. And the quote is, I can only do so much just standing in the Everybody's scouting report is, is to make Jason and Jalen try to pass the ball. They don't want to pass the ball, and that's something they're going to learn. What do you What do you think about that? So, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this, and like Marcus Smart has been with the team. He's a veteran. He's a fan favorite. He's a leader in that locker room. I think that he got the blessing to say this from, you know, Emmy Adoka, the head coach, and Brad Stevens, the president of operations, because. This kind of statement, putting the your two young stars who are sixth and seventh in the league in scoring, mind you, those guys are both top ten scoring. The team's losing. Marcus Smart goes, you know what, coach? I'm going to say something to fire them up. Like, let me let's see what what they respond to this. Or he's doing it without their permission, and he wants to get traded. There, there's two options there. So, what are what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's tough to imagine Marcus Smart wanting to get traded like this early in the season, and he's he's such a gamer, right? Like, I, I think it's much more likely that he wants to fire these guys up, and and he wants to win. Like, he want he's they're not doing well. They've two they're two and five. He he wants to win, and he recognizes that they have two of the best scorers in the league, and and honestly, both potentially very good defensive players. I mean, uh, I think Jalen Brown has showed that more than Jason Tatum. Um, but you mentioned that it could have been a collusion with the coach and the GM, which is, I mean, I, I love it, but the, I think you said that Marcus Mark could have approached them. Could it be where, where they approached him or, or, or like, where, how do you feel like that? If, if that's what happened, how do you think that went down? Uh, maybe they called him in because we, it's an interesting situation, right? Danny Ainge is gone. Brad Stevens is was the coach of the team last year, is the president of operations, is running the entire show. Udoka was the assistant coach there. So these, this is like the brain trust. Like you're bringing in, you know, the not the star of the team, but the heart of the team in. And, you know, like let me whip these guys into shape. So I – it's possible that they brought him in that Brad conferenced, Hey, Marcus come to the principal's office and uh, said, you know, I want you to light a fire under these guys. Cause they're not listening to me or the president or, or like the coach or the president of operations, which is concerning. There could be pro- problems in Boston. I, I think there could be, but it's early enough for, for this to happen. And I like your little, your little theory here because I mean, he, uh, Mark, Marcus Smart, being the heart of the team, I think he's less likely to be traded than Jalen Brown. To be, I, I honestly, I, I really truly think that that they'd be more likely to move um, Jalen Brown for someone, you know, any star that that came on um, 
you know, the the trade market, let's say like Bradley Beal, which I know is just a hot name, and they're they're actually doing very well in fourth in the East right now. Um, so I, I don't see him being moved anytime soon. But it, you know, like that's that's I I truthfully think that they'd be more willing to to part with um, Jalen Brown than they would Marcus Smart at this point. Um, and it, it's too early in the season to to really give up on them. Um, I think there there could be long term trouble here. But only if the Eagles get in the way, which is is so sad to say, because like we we've witnessed it before in the NBA, so it's not impossible. Um, but I'm I'm hopeful. You know, these guys have played well together in the past. I don't know if there's too much too much trouble. You, you you're you're buying this, or you think that they they're gonna rise? I uh, I think there's a lot of offensive firepower. But just one quick thing as we wrap this up with them is they're they're averaging 113. Um, 113.9 so 114 points a game that's fourth in the eastern conference so that's good but their opposition points per game is 120 it's the worst in the entire nba so their defense is concerning does this team they can score with anyone but they can't stop anyone so this really could be a dumpster fire where they have to trade one of the people to you know blow this team up yeah, wow, that, that that's uh that's crazy to think too because Beal wouldn't even help with that, so they might be looking for something defensive. But time will tell. I'm also interested in this uh, third to last team in the East right now, the Orlando Magic, and I wanted to start with them. I might have jumped the gun, but I'm pumped because they are starting Mo Bamba at center and Wendell Carter Jr. at power forward, and that gets me jacked up. I, I think they're one of the the most exciting bad teams to watch this year and i don't expect them to get any better at all but that's something that's exciting and you know they'll eventually give um uh, jalen suggs more run and uh no i'm 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 excited they're they're fun to watch and they they might just be terrible all season i I don't i don't have much more to add on them Uh, is there anything sticking out about orlando for, for you i i think it's just fun to watch cole anthony have the greenest light in the nba right now like he's he's averaging 19 and a half points per game, 7.6 rebounds, which is surprising, five and a half assists. And, you know, his PER is pretty good. It's 20.5. So he's actually playing well. Franz Wagner is uh, average as a rookie, averaging 15 and a half a game. So that's a bright spot. And then big bro, Mo Wagner is on, they have the Wagner bros. And then Robin Lopez on the bench, just, you know, you love to see bad teams that have uh, players that you've heard of, like Terrence Ross and Gary Harris, RJ Hampton. They're just, uh, they're the island of misfit toys. Kind of just want to yeah, see what like, happens there. Except like seven foot misfit toys. Like how do they have so many centers? They don't need Robin Lopez unless, I mean, unless they really are concerned about something with Mo Bamba or like they're trying to, I don't know, build up his value to trade him, or uh, I don't know what it is. It is strange to have Mo, Mo Wagner, Robin Lopez, and Mo Bamba all on the same team. Um, last and thing, I well, don't yeah. forget about Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac coming back from injury. They'll yeah, be, okay. so, they'll be back. That, get, that gets me to uh, something I was going to ask you. So you brought up Cole Anthony, and, and actually, borderline had me convinced he was good until I realized that I didn't actually think that. Um, but do, do you think that this is something that, you know, will will go on throughout his career? Do you think he's going to make a name for himself? And um, where, do you, where do you see his actual actual ceiling right now, like, for him? 
Um, that's a good question. So, at at best, I don't want to misspeak on it, but like he's a better scoring version at best of like a Kyle Lowry type because he can rebound and like he's not the tallest guy. And at worst, he's a um, guy that can get you 20 on any given night, like a uh, Eddie House or <laughs> like he he's kind of just a firecracker. Off the bat. I think he's a decent point guard, though. I've watched him. He played well against the Knicks recently. Like, I don't I think that Kyle Lowry, like different body types, but like kind of you know, a steady starting point guard in the league. No? Um, I mean, I'm going to hesitate with that. I, I think starting point guard might be a reach, but I, I like him as, as you know, uh, someone like a sixth man, um, you know, maybe a or, – or even a journeyman starting point guard. I, I, I wouldn't really expect him to start for a, a team that wants to be good. And if you think about it too, like they drafted Jalen Suggs, um, I mean, I, I'm sure when Markel Fultz gets back, he's going to start over Cole Anthony. I, I, I'm not, I, this is just what, what I see see happening. So, um, happy for him to get a shine now, and he's proven that he can he can play in the, the big with the big boys. So, I, I think he'll he'll get some sort of contract, maybe like 12 mil a year, solid. You know, I, who, who am I to talk? Um, but uh, that he'll he'll be able to, to continue to have some success. But I just, I don't see it being quite as high as Kyle Lowry. All right. So maybe, so a Raymond Felton, DJ Augustine. That's exactly, okay. that's exactly, got it. you know, it. Yeah. got it. Sorry about the Kyle Lowry thing to the listeners. <laughs> um, but, uh, happy we, we found it. Happy, happy we found it. That's what we do. We workshop on this. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, we dove in good on the Orlando magic. Now let's, let's hop to a team that has a lot of promise, a lot of names, they're two and six also um, points per game is 111 points per game. So they're seventh in the Eastern conference in scoring. And then opponents points per game is 113. So it's two more than they score. So it's third worst in the Eastern conference. That's the Indiana Pacers. Now they had a coaching change. So they fired their coach after one year. And brought in Rick Carlisle. Brought Rick Carlisle back, who's famous with them for Malice of the Palace. He was their coach. But what what do you think? What do you think of uh, this team? Yeah. So, I mean, something to note uh, while we're going through these Eastern Conference teams is the East is competitive this year. So, like, I want to say that they're gonna they're gonna cruise right back up and do really well. Um, I. You know, Carlisle lost some steam in, in Dallas, and clearly, you know, he lost lost his job there. Um, the and, and I, I'm I'm the biggest Malcolm Brogdon fan, or one of them that, that are out there. But this is a uh, this is not looking great for them. I, I'm I'm not really buying it. They're, so their starting lineup right now is Brogdon, Chris Duarte, rookie Chris uh, Karis Levert, uh, who I believe just came back from injury, Sabonis, and Turner. And you know, like I think last year they they out they out overperformed, and I'm looking at it right now, and that this is not a team that I expect to make the playoffs in the East, and I I, I wouldn't have said that um, probably just two weeks ago, 
but uh, I'm I'm really I'm I'm losing faith in them. Um, and they to me seem like a prime a prime blow it up candidate if they if they stay on this for just a, another like couple weeks, maybe a month, and they they could be blowing this up. Are, are you you thinking they're they're gonna get any better? Or no, can, I think everyone just needs to be honest with themselves and. Miles Turner and Sabonis don't play well together. It's just they're both nice guys. They want to make it work. They're like that um, that couple that dated in high school and then college and got married, but it was a mistake. And now they're <laughs> you know they're looking to get divorced, but they don't know, and the families know each other so well. So that's kind of what has to happen. Like they just need to get divorced, clean break. Shane, are you thinking of a, a specific couple? Um, before we answer that, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, that, was, that was a very detailed description of what you thought of the of uh, the Pacers big men. Um, all right, so they know last, who they are. Last place in uh, the, the East is um, is the Detroit Pistons with the only with the worst record at one and six. Uh, they're scoring by far the fewest points per uh, game with 95. The only team in the East not putting up uh, triple digits. So um, what do you think about the Pistons right now? They're, they're, they're truly at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, they were who we thought they were. <laughs> um, they, they are averaging the least amount of points in the entire NBA. Um, Cade Cunningham had his first, you know, playing and, and he's coming back from injury so you have to be like patient with like a young point guard like that he had two points seven rebounds two assists in 19 minutes um got to be honest like optimistic on him he's a tall point guard gotten a lot of comparisons to sean livingston before the injury six nine point guards you know are rare and um but this team like they didn't do much to improve it off last year. Dwayne Casey's, I think Dwayne Casey's still the coach, right? Uh, Sounds right. Could be wrong, but it doesn't matter who's coaching. This team's a dumpster fire. Um, Jeremy Grant's averaging 16 points a game. Sadiq Bay, you know, 15.8. He's and, and eight rebounds. Like he's fun, but like if Kelly Olinick is starting, you're in trouble. He's a nice player, but like Killian Hayes hasn't really made the turn, but he's still young. It's just a young team that they're trying to see what they can uh, do. But I don't know. I, I think this team's destined for the lottery to draft somebody to run with Cade. Yeah, yeah. They they look like uh, the Eastern Conference, Oklahoma City, uh, Thunder, just without the transcendent talent of, of Shea Gilgs Alexander. Um, I, I love to see Sadiq Bey doing well, as you had already gone deep about Cade. So, you know, he's just getting started. Um, interesting that they, you know, have Olenek playing so much and Isaiah Stewart, who was their draft pick last year, um, not really playing too many more minutes. Right now he's only averaging 22.7 minutes. Um, but the, the main person that's intriguing, if we're going to find something here, uh, just the, in terms of a storyline going forward for the, the Pistons is, you know, what, what do they do with Jeremy Grant? He stands out like a sore thumb on this team. Like, he needs to get traded, especially, I mean, this team is screaming lottery, and it's screaming wanting to get, you know, er, early draft picks uh, for years to come so they can build around Cade. 
Cade's someone um, from you know what I've seen so far. He needs good players around him. He he's not this this amazing uh, scorer. I think the Sean Livingston comparison is is great, and you know I, with no disrespect at all, Sean Livingston was awesome. He was still he still was great um, after that. Just you know more of a, a role player, great. Uh, so um, I'm interested to see what they do with Jeremy Grant. He's someone that if, if uh, you know, imagine. Well, uh, I love this. Uh, I just thought about this. Imagine the, you know, the Bulls just lost Patrick Williams. What about like a, a Patrick Williams and a couple draft picks t- for Jeremy Grant? Oh man, I would love that. Getting Jeremy Grant on the the Bulls. I mean, he he would raise their ceiling. You know, the he uh, just for everyone listening, Patrick Williams, um, defensive uh, about power forward, small forward kind of player on the Bulls out for the season, so they could tank. Patrick Williams back next year with an additional you know draft pick or whatever else they're able to get in that that trade. Who knows? I I, I don't know how it works on the GM, but that would be a that would be exciting. That's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, I I love that idea in terms of like a team fit. I think he would fit beautifully with that team. The Bulls are weak in the front court too. Like they were already shallow there. They're you know they have studs. But if Vooch goes down, they're in big trouble. And uh, Patrick Williams going down, that's tough for them because it's a lot of Alizé uh, playing, which is never a good thing. But, yeah, yeah. and, and another, another team that um, I think could use a Jeremy Grant is, why not the Clippers? Like, kind of, Kawhi could be out. You know, you, you – put him in as he's like, nobody's Kawhi, but you know, you, you, you give uh Paul George, somebody else that can really score and put it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, good comparison because I, I think the Clippers want Terrence Mann to be that player. I think they want him, you know, to be some version of a Jeremy Grant that like, that's, uh, you know, strong, long can, can shoot. Uh, Terrence Mann hasn't quite lived up to it, but he showed he can do it in the playoffs. Like, so, um, yeah, well, we'll see how that works out. But interested to see see what ends up happening with him. Why don't you bring us over to the Western Conference? Oh, yeah? Absolutely. Just the the Nuggets should have just kept Jeremy Grant. But I digress. We can uh, Well, that, that was a Jeremy Grant choice. Uh, yeah. Turned down same same contract. He wanted to be the man. And this is what happens when he's the man. And this is what happens. This is what happens, Larry. Um, okay, Western Conference. Let's go to New Orleans Pelicans. So they're one in six. Points per game is 104 points, you know, ninth in the Western Conference. And then they they let the opponents score 111 points. So they're fourth worst. Uh, that's a big differential. Also, um, in terms of that team, like Zion is still injured and not back. And uh, speaking of eating good in the neighborhood, Zion Williamson's about six foot six and uh, 299 plus tax. My man uh, is over three bills and he needs to get it in check. What do you think of the Pelicans? I mean, he, he's not paying normal tax. He's paying like that luxury tax. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you know, clearly – Zion being out is is the main highlight for this team, but does does he really 
bring their defensive ceiling up that high. Uh, I mean, I, I think that answers itself for anyone that's really watched him. I mean, he's amazing offensively, but he he's no um, you know defensive maestro out here. So um, I I kind of I mean it, it it's tough because I, I think they they've done pretty good job with what they have right now. I mean, it, it, it's weird to say, but I think like uh, Jonas Valanciunas, who is their offseason uh, acquisition, has played really well. And, um, you know, he, he keeps doing exactly what he what he does. I think um, it was tough, you know, losing Drew Holiday uh, really ruined the entire team. And then getting rid of Alonzo for nothing and replacing him with Devontae Graham, who cannot play defense. I think I said this on an earlier pod. Um, he's an undersized point guard that can distribute and, you know, make some threes, but he's, he's not, I don't even think Devontae Graham is a starting point guard on a winning team in the NBA. So right there, you know, I think investing in him was, was something that I, I would have identified pretty early on. Not that he's playing really badly. I'm looking at it right now. He's averaging eight, 18 points, five assists, um, but it's the defensive side. And I think that's where they're going to get, uh, continue to get killed even after Zion comes back if if he does, which is which is tough. Yeah, um, totally agree. And this is a team that you know needs some help. But Zion coming back, it will take the scoring load off Valanciunas. Devonte Graham needs to not average eighteen points. They like if he's averaging that much, your team's not winning. Um, so on to our next team, Oklahoma City Thunder. So they're one in six. They have the second um, least amount of points in the league, you know, 96.7. So they're just behind the, uh, the um, they're just behind the Pistons. And then they let up 110 points a game, which is eighth in the Western conference. So, you know, this team, you know, everyone knows Shea Gilgus Alexander, but I don't know if many people know anyone else on this team. What do you think, Brent? Yeah, I mean, we knew they were going to be, you know, trying to lose. Um, I think they're better than uh, a, a few of the teams we've already talked about. Like, I mean, Detroit, I, I think they are better. Um, it's interesting to see. What, I, I don't really know why they're not putting together a little better as a team. Um, I mean, Derek Favors has proven to be, you know, a pretty solid, like, undersized center, but, you know, he, he puts in good minutes. Uh, Lou Dort puts in great, 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 great defensive minutes. So, like, when you have Shea and Lou Dort on, on your, uh, in your lineup, you really should be able to stop the, the guards and the other team from dominating the game. And then I'm, I'm actually excited to watch, you know, Darius Baisley one year uh, further into the, the league. I, I don't know if he's ever going to really pop, but I do think that he can make a um, – you know, make a little bit of a journey, journeyman career, if if not popping. And then uh, Josh Giddey has been someone that, um, you know, they drafted this year as a rookie. He's been playing actually pretty well, uh, really contributing across uh, points, assists, and rebounds, averaging about 11, six assists, and almost six rebounds. So um, he, he's been someone that's been outperforming. They're, they're a little bit of uh, – they're one of those league pass teams that I'll, I'll turn on, but, you know, they're more fun in the first uh, first half of the game, and I, I rarely turn on their, their second half. And I can't believe I've gone this far without mentioning Pokushevsky, but um, he's someone that's been very underwhelming this year and uh, I, I had high hopes for. So, you know, it is still only – what is it, seven, seven games into the season for most teams. Um, I, uh, 
I think this team could continue to be, you know, uh, an exciting losing team that doesn't plan on winning, you know, more than 18 games. Yeah, um, I totally agree with that. I think Pokashevsky is the next John John Vesely, the uh, sixth overall pick from the 2011 draft. And the reason you don't know him is because he was another seven-footer that uh, wasn't strong enough to play in the NBA. So you know, we'll move- wait, I'm going to throw out another comparison. Is he And John Vesely is a good one. John Vesely or Anthony Randolph? Very good. Yeah, yeah, both. <laughs> both. Uh, you know, high upside guys that oh, did not too bad, too bad. Okay. Um, okay, and then last but not least, Houston Rockets. I think that you know we have a trend here. We really, what we've gone through is the Eastern Conference seller dwellers, Celtics, and maybe the Pacers have a chance at rebounding. But so far in the West, it would really only be the Pelicans. We're on to the Rockets, one in five. Points per game, 101.5, fourth worst in the Western Conference. Um, point, you know, opponents points per game is 109.2. It's seven, seventh in the Western Conference. This is another young team. Christian Wood is uh, leading them in blocks, rebounds, and points per game. Um, what do you what do you think of this team, uh, Brendan? Well, actually, is this is this your pet team? They are actually not my pet team. Oh, you're totally. my pet okay. team is the Hornets. But all right, okay. I know that this was a this is this is definitely a team that the, the pod. Um, you know, I guess we we like to give love to these these young teams. Um, I I I think this is uh, one of the more exciting teams that we've talked about. Um, you know, Jalen Green is the number two pick in the the draft. You know, th- this far into his career, already showing that he can score on the big stage, not consistently. You can't expect that, that he's, he's a rookie and he's, you know, he's pretty thin, um, but he, he's going to have some 30 point games. I, I'm, I bet for, uh, for this season. And then Kevin Porter Jr. Someone that I'm actually a little lower on than, than the, I think a, a lot of people. Um, I think he's going to be con- inconsistent uh, probably the whole entire year. I don't, I don't really, see this being the year that he puts it all together. Um, I think that was just hopeful. He definitely had a bunch of um, big, big games last year after he got traded over to Houston, had a stint in the G League. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's an interesting team. Um, but right now, you know, they're, they're just going to be a, a, another team that, you know, puts up good points, has some games where they're going to upset some teams. I, I bet you they – show up to some of their like their their very few if actually I haven't even checked if they have any but I'm sure they have a couple nationally televised games. Um I could see that those being the games where Christian Wood, Jalen Green and Kevin Ford Jr. just like drag them to even like a competitive game. And um if you see them on the national television uh schedule, pop them on and 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 uh and see see what they can do. Because they when they're cooking on all cylinders uh or cooking on <laughs> firing all cylinders they can uh, they can really beat they can give teams a, a tough time. Yeah, and they also have Eric Gordon and uh, Deshaun Tate and um, Daniel Tice and David Mwaba on the team. Like they they have some vets, so they could put it together if they have to win a game. Um, All right, wait, it is not good when you're dropping names of vets and you name Jay Sean Tate, who I'm pretty sure it's his second year in the league. I know he was so good in fantasy last year, though. I, he I, was I, good. I he was good. Um, well, 
on to, uh, you know, just to recap, I think we shall see what these teams do. But, you know, this will continue to be something that we'll monitor throughout the season and we'll update on newer teams rather than go through the same ones. But, Brendan, do you have uh, another segment for us or anything else to add? Yeah, yeah. I think we're, we're deep enough in the, the season um, and we're bringing back Mr. So if you haven't been a longtime follower of the pod, uh, the mystery player segment is when I run through some stats of a player uh, currently playing. And then uh, typically we get into some fun facts about them uh, or, or uh, just, just to kind of give a little more context to the numbers and we try to guess who that player is. So uh, we expect the listeners to, to play along and, and try to figure out how quickly you can uh, you can get which player I'm referring Are you ready for the current installment of Mystery Player? I've been training for this my entire life. <laughs> you really have. You really have. But uh, too bad. It's actually this year's stats, so you couldn't have been training for more than two weeks. Um, we have a player right now who's averaging 23 points a game, 2.7 assists, and 10.3 rebounds. So just starting off with the big stats, he's 23, 3 assists, and 10 rebounds. Um, he is currently averaging 1.5 assists, uh, 1.0 blocks, and 1 steal. So an interesting combination of 10 blocks, so double-digit blocks, but no – or sorry, double-digit rebounds, but no blocks a game. 1 steal. 23 points uh, so i'm sure you're you're stewing right now who's doing that so far this season jason well, tatum let's we'll get into it a little bit not jason tatum but uh keep keep the guesses coming if, if you want to um, sound silly when you get them wrong um so this player is six foot eight i know it's probably sounding a little more like jason tatum it is not <laughs> <laughs> 225 pounds From Iowa, Ames, Iowa. All right. Now we're oh, getting into oh, some good stuff. I think I – Oh, you got Ames, Iowa? Let's see. Who do you got? Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes. Shane. That was very well done. Um, a few other facts that we were going to get into was he's a seventh overall pick. Did win a championship with the Warriors in 2014-2015. And – was on the 2015-2016 uh, Warriors team that had the NBA record for wins um, before joining the Dallas Mavericks. But one terrible thing about his career was that he was on the Warriors team that lost the 3-1 to lead in the finals, and he only shot 16% on the three games that they lost to lose the finals. So... I'm not saying that he's to blame for losing the finals, but I am saying that he was a big part of it. Yeah, he got a lot of hate for that. He also signed a big deal with the Mavericks, and he's also having a great start to the year for the Kings. I think he hit two game winners. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he actually um, – I didn't have those stats, but there is a stat out there that he has many, many game winners. Um, he, he's pretty known for that, actually. And the big contract he signed was four years, $94 million. That was right when he left the uh, Warriors. 
uh, as the, I think, the fourth Splash Bros kind of, if, if you wanted to possibly reach out there. But uh, four years, 94 million isn't actually huge by this, uh, by nowadays standards. This was before they, the um, NBA blew up their, um, their salary cap. And before the Warriors were able to sign Kevin Durant on a fluke season where, where the salary cap exploded. So a um, little background to the modern NBA and love to see Harrison Bonds doing well in the Kings now. Uh, that was a great mystery player. Uh, super happy that Harrison Barnes is doing well. And um, how did one... Ames give it to you? How did Ames, Idaho, Iowa get, give it to you? Oh, I knew that. I, I, <laughs> I've like, <laughs> I I've known that he <laughs> I knew that he was the Iowa um player of the year uh for I years I've known that. <laughs> well, I, that is, that's why you're on the pod. <laughs> he who did he he played high school with somebody too that they were oh, he dominated. They, dominated they, yeah, but school. but it was somebody good like they were they played in high school together. Hold on one second. Um Doug McDermott Doug McDermott, yeah, him and McDermott, um, and that's that's how I knew it. He was, you know, a five star recruit to UNC, and and everyone was so excited about him, and he almost went to Iowa State. Yeah, I don't know, that's freakish, and and apologies for that. <laughs> still, still only twenty nine years old too. I had a whole bunch of facts, but you uh, you really blew it up with Ames, Iowa. Okay, well, um, I will bring my uh, better foot forward next mystery player. Well, um, Brendan, always a pleasure potting with you. And, and uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Until next week. Brendan, you got anything to sign off on? Nope. Hopefully everyone has a good week. Stay healthy out there. See you soon. Bye.